Thank you for coming to the podcast. Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com is brought to you by my favorite MMA and BJJ clothing brand. I, of course, am talking about ADK Fightwear, a family-owned clothing brand nestled in the Adirondack Mountains of New York. They bring you high-quality gear with slick, clean graphics that pop. But don't just take my word for it. Head on over to ADKFightwear.com and check out their gear. And when you do, make sure to use promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, for 10% off your order. You'll be happy you did. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com featuring Israel Idesanya, and it starts right now. Gumby Greenland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and we have the pleasure today of speaking to Israel Idesanya, who fights Marvin Vittori at UFC on Fox 29 in Glendale, Arizona on April 14th. Israel, I want to start today by talking about your meteoric rise in popularity over the last couple of weeks. Um, the UFC seems to put, be putting plenty of marketing behind you. What has sort of the added attention felt like, and have you really noticed a change in uh, the popularity? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, can't help but notice it, but I keep saying I keep the same energy because uh, I've expected all this to happen uh, for a long time. But I took my time to get in the UFC, and I've prepped everything, you know. But uh, as much as you prep like a fight as well, you know, there's always the uh, variables. So I'm very good at adapting to everything and uh it's a new level now, so with new levels come new devils, and I'm going to slay them. Yeah, and uh, no, so, so that's such a good point, too, that you, you sort of felt like you were ready for this. Uh, ha- have you ever had any guidance with publicity? Because we got to say we're absolutely blown away with the way that you deal with it. Uh, like I said, it's just, for me, I've, uh, I've visualized a lot, and I, like, I get caught daydreaming, even since school. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me, and, you know. Yeah. Hey, pay attention. Well, my mind would, I might look like I'm reading something, but I'm drifting off somewhere else. And um, yeah, over the last few years, I've just daydreamed and visualized about all this shit happening right now because this is what I wanted to do for so long. So I just, I can't help but do that. And when you do that, eventually when, you, when it happens, it just feels like a memory. It just feels like, oh, this is deja vu. I've been here before. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, you know, me fighting. Uh, me with the media, all that stuff. It's just, I'm just keeping the same energy. I'm just doing me. Uh, well, we absolutely love that too, because you can tell sort of uh, that there's so many, you know, Connor wannabes out there nowadays. It's nice to see somebody who what they're doing is super real. I, I want to talk about one of the things you did after your last win, because uh, it, it definitely spiked a lot of people's curiosity. You know, right after the win, you were seen uh, mocking the pee on the cage, and obviously the post-fight interview. Uh, led to, uh, you know, a little bit more of what you meant by that. Did, did a UFC yeah. official ever say anything to you about that? And sort of, uh, are, is that a plan going forward, that that's going to be your thing? Uh, not, real, not really to my face, but, you know, they told my management that, um, you know, we handle a, a lot of sponsors, you know, millions of dollars worth of sponsors. So uh, for him to be pretending with his dick out and shake it and be everywhere or whatever, it's not really a good look. But to me, how I see it is, fuck, you know, what, what are the sponsors worried about me pretending to whip an imaginary dick out and pee everywhere to mark my territory? Or they just watching me beat the fuck out of a dude with his own blood to the referee pulled me off. So I don't know what kind of game these sponsors are playing or whatever, but 
for me, I just had to make a statement. I just felt like it, go to the cage, and like any dog would do, any any top dog would do, just mark my territory. And that's what I did. Uh, my stench is still there, you know. Whenever I get into that, into that, into that cage, I can feel, I'm sure I'll feel my stench still there. So it's going to stay there for a long time. And if I do it again, I do it again. I just go with the mood. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. So uh, another thing that's sort of been lighting up the internet as far as your popularity goes is you walking around in a shirt that says good cunt. Now, I understand uh, that in New Zealand that means something a little bit different than it does in the U.S., uh, or at least it's used a little bit more flippantly. But sort of what is the origin of that shirt? And uh, is that sort of an Israel Adesanya exclusive, or is that something we see all the time out there? Uh, that's an engaged industry exclusive. Uh, my, my main sponsors are engaged. They've been looking after me for a while. So I keep a, keep a hundred with them. They keep a hundred with me. So, um, yeah, the shirt was just, you know, a, a parody of a famous, uh, very famous, uh, you know, high fashion brand. And it's mm-hmm. GC. So that's like good. Kind of, and they just made a shirt out of it. And I saw that. I was like, yo, I need that a large <laughs> ASAP. And I, I got to the hotel. I was wearing it, you know, just chilling with my family before we the after party. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to wear this for the after party. So I wore my um, engaged slides, socks, pants, back pants that again, and put the shirt on. I felt comfortable. There's no need to, like, find flex or wear a suit. You know, like I said, I'm just doing it, and I keep the same energy. Yeah, and it certainly has blown up uh, your popularity in addition to, obviously. Everyone comes from a country. Everyone loves the country. Who doesn't like vagina? It's the beginning <laughs> of life, you know? So I don't know why people are so offended in this case about the word cunt. Like I said, it's just a word. And like me looking my dick out in you know, the same fashion on the team in the case. People just get triggered so easy. And I don't know, I might be a troll, maybe. So I think that's the inner troll in me. I just like triggering people. Well, I love it again. Once again, I don't mean to, to say that I love it after every response, but I, I do love that sort of attitude. Hey, so you, I love that you love it. <laughs> so so you seem to have an affinity, uh, not just for fighting, obviously, but definitely for mic skills. This is something you're, you're clearly well-versed to do. If you weren't fighting, I imagine we'd seen you in some other kind of showbiz-type field. What do you feel like you would be doing if you uh, weren't fighting for a living? I'd be a dancer. Yeah? I would say that if, if I could sing... You know, Chris Brown, Usher, Jason Derulo, those guys wouldn't be, wouldn't have a job. But you know, that was back then. Now I've, I've, I've grown up, and I you know those guys kind of look happy with dancing. So I've always been an entertainer. Uh, definitely, you know, I've always been an entertainer throughout my years, and it's just something that naturally I'm not. You know, we, we see guys trying to like put it on and try and make it like you know, oh, I'm trying to get a fight, I'm trying to make a name for myself. You can feel the fakeness, you know. You can feel when it's not genuine. But for me, I've always had it, and I've never like shied away from it. A lot of people might have it, but they don't. They don't feel like they want to put themselves out there in case they fail. But not me. You know, I've failed many times in my life, and I'll fail again. You know, not in the cage as well. I'm talking outside the cage. This is life. This is you know, this is shit that happens. But I'll always represent myself in the most authentic fashion, and I'll never change for anyone else. Like I said, I keep the same energy. Yeah, um, and so l- let's talk about your energy in the cage, too, because we've talked a lot about the outside-the-cage stuff, which is obviously really exciting right now. But, you know, you're jumping right back in there after, like, you know, two months from your last fight, basically. Uh, y- you said at first that you didn't want protecting by the UFC. You-, you wanted to fight the best right away. What were sort of your thoughts right away when the UFC offered you a guy who's who's maybe not towards the top of the, the UFC middleweight division, Marvin Vittori? Well, I mean, I'm a fighter, you know, I'll fucking, you know, I, that's why I took my time to get into the UFC as well. 
is because I wanted to make sure when, when I got in here, figure her and try and get me out real quick. I did the top five thousand check ten guy. I was ready to take a look. ASAP. But um yeah, I, I knew I was gonna fight Rob Wilkinson for whatever reason. I just felt, you know, he had the AFC belt in Australia. And when he went to the UFC, I got the UFC belt and he started talking shit. And I just knew I was like, you know, I'm gonna fight this guy. And I fought him, I whipped him. And then after two one nine, I was there with my teammate Dan Hooker and uh, we were walking through the NGN and he fought as well. So after his fight, we was walking through in the suit like everyone else. And uh, yeah, I kind of like looked at him. And for me, I'm, I'm a friendly guy, so I acknowledge everyone. And I kind of gave him like a nod, like, you know, good fight. He just gave me this weird look and I didn't like his energy. I felt his energy and I, you know, from then on, I was like, I want to fight this guy. And I saw my coach right there and then I was like, you, I want to fight him. He kind of just snuck at me because he knows, he knows what I'm like. And then, yeah, we got offered the fight, and I was like, that guy, I want that guy. You know, I've never had any kind of protection, and I don't feel like you're protecting me. You know, he's a tough guy. He takes all the hits, and I'm happily obliged. And, uh, yeah, you know, we're just working out. You know, we make it happen. Yeah, and so, you know, you sort of mentioned working up. Obviously, you're not the kind of guy who's going to look through your next opponent into who's after it. But, but do you have sort of a, a game plan for what comes after Vittori? Uh, after Vittori, nah, I just live in the moment. Right now, he's the, he's the only thing I have in front of me, you know. I look ahead, and I always see where my, where, where my, um, my future is heading, but you can't, you know, they tell you never underestimate anyone, but they never tell you never overestimate them as well. So, I mean, he might even pull out, I don't know. Like, someone else might jump in, so I'm not really too worried about him, I'm just worried about me. But, um, yeah, I, I just focus on what I have in front of me right now, and that's just him. Stocky, big-headed, you know, Italian boy, you know, blockhead, whatever you want to call him. And, yeah, just, just another guy. I've, I've been through this. I've been through many of them, you know, that you guys just don't know about, you know, on a higher level than mm-hmm. this. And, you know, I never underestimate them, but I'm not overestimating them as well. I just keep the same energy. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about what I saw recently on your Instagram. So, you know, you're obviously known for your, your crazy kickboxing skills. Uh, but we saw an Instagram picture of you training with Craig Jones recently. So, uh, you know, obvi- obviously Craig Jones, leg lock master, Polaris champion, just beat Jake Shields by heel hook. What are the odds we see uh, some last style bender heel hooks in the UFC in the near future? You got to fight someone to keep me on the ground first. Fight someone to keep me on the ground long enough you might see what uh, my grappling's about. But, yeah, Craig Jones, motherfucker Jones, that guy's cool. Uh, yeah. He came through, did a seminar last week at our gym. And the week before that, uh, Josh Hanger as well did a seminar at our gym. So, yeah, we're we're well-versed everywhere. We're, we're, we don't realize who we are in our country because we're in a little corner of the world, a little small small couple of islands called New Zealand. But people don't understand, like, we've been out here doing this shit for a long, long time. Uh, not just stand-up, you know, the best I stand-up for a while. I felt like we had our heyday, and now we're about to do it again. Well, we're, we're about to see that stand-up in New Zealand, and we're almost to the end of this interview here, so I, I would feel remiss if I didn't get a prediction out of you to end this. Uh, when you step into the cage with Martin Vittori or whoever it might be at UFC on Fox 29 on April 14th, what's the prediction for how Israel Adesanya gets it done? I'll finish him. I know that. And that's just, he's flat-footed. Uh, he likes to get hit. You know, you ever see him get hit? And he beckons people along, like, come on, let's go. And I'm like, all right, then. I'll fucking, I'll punch him a few more times. Knee him, kicks, whatever I want to do. Um, I just don't see him. Like I said, I don't hit hard. 
you guys watched my last fight. I'm, I'm like a surgeon. I'm precise. I just pick my shots. I don't I don't throw and hope like these other boys. I aim and fire. So yeah, when when he when he's in there, and he starts to gas. And he starts to feel my energy. He starts to feel that pressure. Then he's gonna know. This is this is a different story. And then that's when I I can always tell when they're ready to go. And when he gives me that signal, I'll happily take him out. Well, we absolutely can't wait to see it. Once again, for you fans out there, he fights Marvin Vittori at UFC on Fox 29 in Glendale, Arizona on April 14th. Israel, thank you so much again for the time. We really appreciate it. That's what. And that interview was, of course, brought to you by Dead Frog Brewery. Look, there are a ton of craft breweries out there now trying to show why they are the best. But you know what those breweries do? They fill their beer with nasty preservatives and pasteurize their ingredients. Not Dead Frog. Dead Frog is a Canadian craft brewery just outside Vancouver, bringing you high-quality craft brews with none of that stuff that you don't want. And it makes their beer come out crisp and clean. Check out their Green Magic IPA to see what I'm talking about. And if you want to know even more about what I'm talking about, head on over to deadfrog.ca or check some out at your local liquor store. And we, of course, are Dave and Dan with Top Turtle MMA on flowcombat.com. Dave, uh, that was Israel Adesanya. What would you think of that interview? I mean, I'm so excited about this guy. Not only what he brings in the cage, because we're now going on uh, 12 fights as a pro, all with... TKOs, KOs in the first or second round, but he's a personality on the mic. I said it right after his debut in the UFC. It was a little Connor-esque for me, uh, just the way he debuted, the great quote afterwards, I just pissed in the cage. I'm very excited about this guy. Yeah, and I, I like the stuff he said in the interview, too, about pissing in the cage and how uh, maybe some of the UFC sponsors weren't super pumped about that at first, uh, but he's just going to keep doing him, and I, I think that that's what makes him a star, that he's just going to keep doing him. Who who cares? Yeah. Uh, yeah, get him pissed off. You know what? It gets people talking, and uh, controversy <laughs> creates... <laughs> Yeah, controversy creates cash, as the great Eric Bischoff once said. Uh, so, you know, this past weekend, Gumby was UFC 222. Uh, kind of sad day for me as a huge Frankie Edgar fan, but, you know, all our favorite fighters have to grow old at some point. Does Frankie still have wins left in him? Yes. Uh, do I think that might have been the end of the line for him as a title challenger at 145? Yeah, short of like a last-minute replacement for an injury fill-in. Maybe he goes down to 135 as long rumored, but again, older guy doing a, ma- a bigger weight cut, I should say. Not that he does a huge one to make 145, but you get what I'm saying. It was sad, but at the same time, it's like one door closes, another opens. It was like the coming-out party of Brian Ortega. Yeah, and you know what I really loved about that fight is, is afterwards when people immediately started talking about Brian Ortega versus Max Holloway I thought back to like a year and a half ago in this featherweight division and it felt like we were just going to watch after Connor left at least it felt like we were going to watch Frankie fight Chad Chad fight Aldo Aldo fight Frankie Frankie fight Aldo again Chad fight Aldo again Frankie fight Chad and like just in ridiculous repeat over and over and over again in like a really boring fashion now we got two guys at the top who seem like they might be two of the best featherweights you've seen in a long-ass time in an exciting, fresh, young up-and-comer title fight. It's really, really exciting time for 45. Uh, speaking of 45, and 
the complete opposite, not being an exciting time. Cyborg slays another victim, <laughs> not even worth talking about. Let me tell you exactly what I thought the second kind of, I don't know, what would I call it? I guess funnest or most noteworthy moment was uh, Sean O'Malley defeating Andre Sukumthath, however you say his name. Sukumthath. Uh, by decision and then giving his interview lying down on the ground writhing in pain yeah uh and and he was in a lot of pain i want to say one of my favorite post-fight quotes and we could probably do a post-fight quotes uh breakdown at some point in time but two of them in very recent history first of all was uh when uh sam alvey won at ufc orlando and he said thank you florida i love your oranges um your oranges are fantastic and then Sean O'Malley saying, you know what? I fucking love you, Joe Rogan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. I mean, the kid brings a lot of personality, now 2-0 in the UFC. And one of the things I noticed, um, you know, at least from the Twitter world, and we are at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter, always tweeting, very engaged there, was a lot of people were jumping all over this kid's face tattoo. Uh, you know, very Mike Tyson-esque. Yeah, they, they, they don't seem to like his tattoo choices in general. Uh, I, I think it's just like the skinny kid tattoo thing people have a problem with but uh it did spark our combat countdown for this week that's correct so gumby let's count down the worst ufc tattoos in history it's our combat countdown of the week worst tattoos are you ready i am ready all right we will start with number five it is tiago santos yeah tiago santos his nickname is Mareta, or uh which in portuguese i believe means sledgehammer and he has the uh the really awesome tattoo of a giant ass sledgehammer right in the middle of his chest uh not well you like... say you say awesome but you're being sarcastic oh yes very sarcastically awesome i mean it, it, i get it's his nickname i get he's trying to like maybe publicize himself maybe something a little bit more subtle maybe the sledgehammer on his arm Heck, I, I would even think it would be better if it was one of those, like, hand tattoos that look like a bomb, only he did it in his, like, forearm and hand, uh, so mm-hmm. it looked like he was punching you with a sledgehammer. But the right up the chest, so it looks like his chin's almost, like, resting on the top of a sledgehammer, uh, not a good look. It's a bad look, yeah. It almost looks like an arrow pointing down to his <laughs> junk or something. It just doesn't come across. It's not three-dimensional enough. It's a sledgehammer in the middle of a guy's fucking chest. Yeah. <laughs> we'll move on to number four. One of my favorite fighters of all time, but maybe kind of an odd odd tattoo. It's Vanderlei Silva at number four. Yeah, so if for those of you who have never noticed it, Vanderlei Silva has his gym's logo on his shoulder, which, first of all, cool, man. You want to you wanna publicize your gym? You want to get your gym's name out there? Awesome. So he put it on his, uh, like his chest shoulder area right in between the two of them. His gym's logo is his own face, so he mm. has his own face on his shoulder, uh, which also is just like a really weird, like, why would you tattoo your own face six inches down from your face? Right. It almost <laughs> does look like something out of a circus. It's like a man with, like, a twin head, but a little smaller on his shoulder. It's like a little freak show-ish. Yeah, and it's it's definitely not a good – like I said, like, I've seen other people – with, like, the Gracie Triangle tattooed on. I'm pretty sure Brian Ortega might have one of those, if I'm not mistaken. But I've seen, like, mm-hmm. guys who are, like, Gracie Triangles or, like, uh, the American Top Team logo or, like, the USA Wrestling logos on a lot of guys. W- whatever, that's cool. I-, I think the gym thing is fine as long as you're not doing your own face as your gym logo. 
Doesn't come off great, and I gotta say, looks more like Bill Goldberg to me than Vanderlei <laughs> Silva, but maybe that's just me. We'll move on to number three, and it's uh, it's Joe Riggs, or should I say, Joe Diesel Riggs? Yeah, the the Diesel tattoo across the belly. I, I'm not a fan because it's just so big, and I I feel like when when somebody gets their last name tattooed on them, like Frank Mir's got his last name on his arm. You just know, in case see, he forgets. Yeah, in case he forgets. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, you see people with like their last name. They're like proud of their heritage or whatever. Nickname starts to get a little weird. You could have also put Darren Elkins in here because he's got the damage written across his chest. Uh, so I guess he's got kind of a similar one. But at least his is like a cool font. Whereas this looks like, you know, maybe he's got like Comic Sans Diesel written across his Yeah, <laughs> you're right. It's very Comic Sans. That's kind of the problem. I think it's really, you know, we, we debated about this. You were a little further down on this than I was. I mean, I'm trust me, I'm not a fan. I also think when he gets older and fatter, having the word <laughs> Diesel on your, on your stomach is a bit of a stretch. But yeah, it's really the font more than anything, I think. Yeah, I, I think the font does it a great disservice. Also, fun fact while I was looking doing a little research for this how old do you think joe riggs is go ahead and let's let's just take a guess well how, how he old had do you, do you feel like he had joe the riggs? he had the dose stints in the ufc um i don't know i guess if i had gun to my head is he like the 36 37 ish range i want to say he's like up there with robbie lawler kind of he, he's 35 i would have guessed 40 so props to you for uh for being way closer than i was on the joe riggs age scale. <sighs> Yeah, I know what you're saying. I think on first look, that's what it, where I would have gone. But I was also like, you know what? He was just recently in the UFC. And yeah. I think the UFC is pretty good if you're not like a massive fucking name. They don't have guys close to 40 uh, fighting for them. Yeah, and that they, might just be the nature of the sport. Yeah, they just fired a guy who was w only one in one because he was 35, I think. Dude, I mean, Fondo. yeah, you want to talk about dog years to human years, like MMA fighter years to human years is even worse. Like once you hit 30, mm -hmm. if you're not really good or have a bunch of wins under your belt, I mean, you're That's getting put dark. out to pasture. Yep, yeah, exactly. So I feel like this has been a common theme with our combat countdowns. When we make the jump up to two and one, there becomes like a clear line in the sand. And two and one for me, you can argue about the placement, but no matter what you want to say, these are the two worst tattoos in MMA history. And it's a big jump up, or should I say down, quality-wise, from Joe Diesel Riggs and his Comic Sans Diesel tattoo on his stomach. <laughs> We're go we'll go to number two. It's Brock Lesnar and the chess sword. Yeah, the chess sword is uh, exactly as bad as Tiago Santos's chest hammer, only it has nothing to do with a nickname, nothing to do with anything else, and it looks even more like an arrow pointing at his junk. Uh, it also, wait, let's just call a spade a spade. It looks like a giant dick on his chest. That's <laughs> really the problem. Yeah, I mean, that's the other problem here that I was going to say, too, is that, like, so Tiago Santos has got, like, a big hammer on the top, but then if you look at Brock Lesnar's, like, Brock Lesnar, first of all, is twice as wide as Tiago Santos, which is an accomplishment in and of itself, and his tattoo is twice as thin. So it's got this, like, thin little uh, pencil-looking thing going up the middle of his chest. It, it's the worst look. And now we're getting into girth discussions. Listen, we're two, <laughs> got, we're two MMA nerds in a basement. I would never say this to Mr. Lesnar. I would say, oh, what no, a wonderful you... tattoo, Mr. Lesnar. Exactly. All uh, these guys. All of these guys yeah. kick my ass. <laughs> Without a doubt. I would say, what a wonderful tattoo, Mr. Lesnar. And to be honest, I actually, listen, I'm a huge Brock fan. Believe it or not, even read his book. Yes, that's how much of a nerd I am. The idea of the tattoo was actually a good one. He was down and out. 
Yeah, he was down and out on his luck. I think he had tried out for the Vikings, if I'm not mistaken. It was one of the lowest points of his life, and he felt like a sword was pointed at his neck, like he was about to die. And he rose up and did what he did and became a UFC champion. It was either then or it was when he got the diverticulitis. Did he have the giant dick sword when he fought Frank Mir the second time? I think he's always time? had it in the, as a fighter. Okay, so it was so. probably, it was yeah, then it was when he was out of wrestling and he got cut by the Vikings. I get it. That's kind of a cool, like, imagery, but as a tattoo, it just looks like a dick. Yeah, it, it's not good. All right, we'll move to number one, uh, and it is Alan Belcher with his version of Johnny Cash. Yeah, I feel like he's had this forever, and people rag on it mercilessly, but for good reason. I'm going to be real honest with you. The first time I noticed this tattoo was UFC 100. Alan Belcher fought uh, Yoshihira Akiyama. I remember it vividly sitting on my parents' couch watching the fight. And uh, he came in, and my dad said, "What? what is that on his shoulder? And we all talked about the tattoo for a little while, and we decided that we thought it was Muhammad Ali. Mm. And it is Johnny Cash. So I want you for a second to think about what Muhammad Ali looks like and what Johnny Cash looks like. So if you're you're imagining these two, they do not look similar. So this Johnny Cash is done in a pretty rough fashion. So if you go back, definitely Google it. It's all over the Internet because we are not the first uh, batch of people to make fun of this tattoo. Yeah, um, I, you, I'm not uh, I'm not necessarily down on you get like a hero or someone iconic. I think it's a little weird to tattoo another human on your body. I've always been more a fan of the animal tattoo. But if you're going to do it, at least get the tattoo to look like the guy you're doing. All right. So I got, a, I got a question for you. Would you rather gun to your head? You have to do one of these two things. You either have to tattoo your own face six inches below your own face or you have to tattoo somebody else's face like on your shoulder in a more hidden area. Uh, I go, well, now criteria number two, and then we'll wrap this up. Is the tattoo of the someone else well done, or is it like a shitty version of them? Almost like a funhouse mirror version of them. Like, like you gave me tools to tattoo you and I got to try to do it. All right. I think I would go with my own face Your if own that's face. the case. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of narcissistic. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that wraps it up. Let's let's review just five through one real quick. Tiago Santos was number five with his chest hammer. Coming in at number four, it's Vonderlay with Vonderlay on his shoulder. Number three is Joe Riggs with his Comic Sans diesel on his belly. Number two is the chest sword dick. Uh, from the Beast Incarnate Brock Lesnar, and number one is the bad version of Johnny Cash on Alan Belcher. If you disagree with any of it, if you agree with any of it, we're accepting both love and hate mail. Top Turtle MMA at Gmail. You, can, of course, can tweet the show at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. Uh, rain us down with hatred for what we missed. The MMA world is full of tattoos, some awesome, some not so much. We tried to bring you what we thought were the worst in history. Gumby, that about takes care of everything I had on the docket. Anything else we need to uh, do, house cleaning or otherwise? No, I'd like to mention what's real quickly that uh, we are sponsored by Garage Fit. Even though we don't have a fight card breakdown, we like to mention that we're sponsored by Garage Fit. Go to garagegym.com and get all of the necessities to create your at-home gym uh, so that you can get the best possible quality workout without heading out into the blizzard that is happening in the Northeast right now. 
Boom. Thank you, GarageFit. Thank you, ADK Fightwear. Thank you, Dead Frog Brewery and all our sponsors. Thank you to Flow Combat, our partner in crime. We'll be back next week with a women's theme, Top 5 Combat Countdown. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on Flow Combat. We'll see you next week.